We would like to acknowledge the Bunurong peoples of the Kulin Nation as the traditional custodians of the land in which we record this podcast. We pay our respects to their elders, both past and present, always was, always will be Aboriginal land. doing the podcast where we chat all things motherhood and life after having a baby the journey through finding yourself and your new relationships with life nothing is off limits this is a safe space we are here to help you navigate this next phase of life i'm sky i'm lise and, and what the, what hell, are the hell are we doing <laughs> <laughs> one day oh <laughs> So, Lise, today we are going to be talking about your journey to conceive and your pregnancy journey. So, we know that you were ready to become a mum and what then was the first thing you did when you were like, I'm ready to have a baby? Well, obviously I had to wait for Shane to say the same words. So, I definitely was ready, um, as ready as you kind of can be when you think about wanting to start trying for a baby. Um, I just sort of had to wait for Shane to say the same words and the moment that he turned to me and said, well, we actually could start trying for a baby, I was like, cool, great, let's go to the chemist. (laughs) I'm going to pass out as if you're saying these (laughs) words to me. (laughs) I was in shock. I actually like couldn't process it properly until later. Like I just kind of, I felt almost like not embarrassed but I felt kind of like, is this actually happening? Because um, I think I'd been waiting yeah. for months for him to say the words that when he was actually saying them, I was just like, oh, oh my God. Um, this is actually happening. Yeah. Yes, okay. So, so Shane said, let's do this. Yeah. He was what like, happened? I think we actually can. So then I was like, perfect. So we literally went to the chemist. Like we were literally in the car within two minutes. I was like, we're going right now. I was like, I just needed to do something to kind of like solidify that we were actually taking the step. Do you know what I mean? Like it wasn't as simple as just like throwing the condoms in the bin or something. Do you know what I mean? Like I was like, (laughs) we need to like go to the pharmacy so I can like buy Elevate and, you know. So we did that and then within a couple of nights I feel like I was chatting to you guys being like, what baby names do you like? Even though we'd obviously (laughs) had the conversation like a million times before. Um, I know. I feel like you. it was locked down in my head when you you told us and we were – Having pina coladas on Zoom, as everyone did for like the the year of lockdown. Okay. Um, and we were on Zoom, and you told Aaron and I that you guys were trying for a baby. I don't know how far along that wasn't like when you actually knew before telling us, but I remember I was crying, and then I was like, Aaron, we have to have a baby too now. Aww. I feel like our pina colada phase was like a good few months after. Because for the first, but I feel like I would have told you. So I don't know. Because I feel like no, I told you, you guys really early on, but I remember we, I, I didn't drink for the first few months of trying. Um, and then we went through our really like, pina colada phase. Once and you didn't tell us. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. I actually can't remember. Maybe. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I feel like I tell you guys everything. So. I don't know. In my head, Maybe I told you, you were, guys. You were probably – I feel like once you told me that you had 
decided that you were going to do it and then you probably thought it was going to happen relatively fast. So maybe you didn't want to tell us you were trying straight away so that you could surprise us, oh, we're pregnant or something like yeah, that. Yeah, maybe. Like, I, I genuinely can't remember in my mind it was like I feel like I, I didn't. I know I didn't text you straight away like, oh, my God, we're going to start trying, but I feel like it, it came up more organically. But, okay. yeah. So you started taking the vitamins yep. pretty quickly. Yeah, I did. And so for the first couple of months, I, I wasn't really tracking my cycle. So like I had been off the pill probably by the time we started officially trying already for about six months. Um, but I genuinely never really tracked my cycles. Like I knew that coming off the pill, my cycles would be all over the place. And um, annoyingly, I didn't track my cycles until we started trying for a baby. And that's when I realized how irregular my cycles actually were which was really annoying because they would literally vary anywhere from like 26 days to like 35 days. And I know for a lot of people, you know, their cycles are much worse than that. But it kind of, I think for me it was like, oh, I didn't realize they varied that much. I thought it was like, oh, they're probably like 28 to 33 days or something, which isn't drastically different. But when you're in that two-week wait, every day that goes by, you convince yourself you're pregnant and then you're not. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I didn't initially start taking ovulation tests or anything, but after the first set of few months, I think I had a chat with you actually. And I think you were like, oh, you should get flow. You should download the app so you can start properly tracking your cycles. Um, and then you might get a little bit more of a better image of when you could be ovulating. Yeah. And so I actually jumped on eBay and I bought like a bunch of ovulation tests as well because I was like, I kind of just want to confirm. But realistically as well with ovulation tests, they only go positive, I think, after you've already ovulated. So then you're kind of like, oh, I had to have already ovulated by the time I've done this test. But I think it's yeah, more it's the confirmation like to be like, oh, okay, cool. We've already at least yeah. been having sex for the past week. So hopefully. Um, I think so, yeah. But anyway, so we started – I started doing that and – um. Yeah, the months just sort of kept trickling by and I obviously wasn't getting a positive test. And, you know, I remember telling my mom, I think it was like three or four months into trying, I was like, oh, we've been trying for a baby. And she was like, oh, you'll get pregnant so easily. You know, I, I didn't have any trouble getting pregnant with any of you kids. And I was like, oh, we've already been trying for a few months. And she was like, oh, okay, like it'll still happen. And so I was like, okay, like I kind of had a bit more of a revitalized, like, oh, it'll happen, you know. Coinciding with that, I was having horrendous periods. So I already knew that I had endo, but I hadn't really done much about it. Um, I think typical me, I was probably just thinking, oh, I don't know, I'll just deal with that, like down the track. And then obviously during lockdowns and trying for a baby, I was kind of like, okay, I can't get pregnant right now. Like it's just I can't do anything more to get myself pregnant. So I'm going to work on that. So I started seeing a specialist and um, he is a gynecologist and an infertility specialist. And um, yeah, I had seen him and he had done an assessment and said, look, it's probably the best route to go, get a laparoscopy done and we can, you know, jump in there and we can have a look at what's going on. Because I think for me, I was kind of like, cool, I'll book that in for like a month and then I've got that going along, you know, at the same time. Um, just, just to pause, what were you guys, so what month was this when you decided to go and see a specialist about? I think month seven or after cycle okay, so, seven. Yeah. 
for those for those seven months like obviously I know seven months isn't a massive amount of time but for yeah. someone who's trying for a baby every month is feels like a lifetime and so what were you doing to counteract the pressure because you would obviously told a few people you were trying for a baby and not me counteract the uh, Oh, okay. So yeah. Your family and us and a few other people. Yeah. And when you have that pressure of people knowing and asking you, oh, are you pregnant yet? And giving you advice, were you searching like oh, on all, all the forums, you should do it these days, you should do it this day, you should have this, you should have that, you should drink this, you should eat this. Like had you already searched all of that kind of stuff before going to a specialist? Yes. So we had tried already by that point, we had tried, in my opinion, every method. You know, we had tried sex every day, sex every second day, you know, sex every day in the lead up to your ovulation and then not the day after and then two days after or whatever. There's there's literal names for all these different methods. We tried different positions. We tried... I cut out alcohol, then I started having a few little drinks here and there. I was like, oh, I'm not even going to think about trying for a baby. Like I I also was going through like a bit of a um, body image, not crisis, but I was sort of doing that at the same time, I think as well, because I was during lockdown and I couldn't work. So I was really like, I'm just going to focus on like my fitness and I'm, I want to lose weight and, and be healthier because I want to be as healthy as I can be to be pregnant. So I think I was doing that as well. And like, I definitely feel like I was trying to do a lot of things and like eat healthier and all that sort of stuff so that I was like, at least that way I know I'm kind of eliminating other things that could be potential reasons why. Um, you know, we had Shane's um, sperm analyzed as well. You know, I'd seen my GP quite a few times, had different conversations. I'd had all my blood works done, all that sort of stuff. So I think I was kind of at that point where I was like, I know that seven months in the grand scheme of things obviously is, is a short amount of time. But I think it was very, a very specific time that we were living through. Like obviously I worked in retail and I was constantly being like, I don't know when I'm going to go back to work and I would be home. And because Shane obviously didn't work from home and he's a shift worker, so he would work all kinds of hours for a lot of the lockdowns. It was just me and my thoughts. And I really negatively um, grappled with that. Like I had a lot of, you know, just negative experiences just during that time. So I think the hope of trying for a baby was, you know, um, a really positive way to sort of get through a lot of that. But I think because I had so much time on my hands, like I would read all kinds of chats. Like there's like a secret chats option on Flow. It's not really secret. It's just a discussion page. I think it's called Secret Chats okay. to like lure you in. But I would just read all the chats. Yeah. I would be reading everything, all the different things people were suggesting. Um and I don't know, I think I was very much like there's a problem and I kind of want to solve it. So okay, for fertility reasons but also because I had endo and it was like that additional pain. So every month I would finally break and I would do a pregnancy test and then the next day I would get my period and like the pain yeah. would just be so bad. I honestly like not felt like I was necessarily being punished but sometimes I got so down that I was just like – it's like a joke. Like I feel like my body's kind of like, ha ha, like you're not pregnant and also here's like some horrendous period pain that's just going to leave you like not able to get up and you're just going to be in so much pain emotionally and physically. Um, yeah. It wasn't a great time. Um, so I think for me knowing that I was going to get that done, that was good. So I had that done and they were able to remove 
a lot of tissue from the inside of my uterus because I had so much buildup. So after discussing that with him, he said that all the, I was not adequately shedding all of the lining in my uterus every month. So he said that you actually could be having eggs being fertilized in your fallopian tubes, but they actually can't travel and then implant into your uterus because you've got far too much lining in there. So that was really good afterwards to be like, okay, cool. I've had my fallopian tubes flushed out and I've had all the, you know, the linings of my uterus like all taken out. So I felt like, cool, we're on like a really good clean slate. And I heard anecdotally from people that were like, I got pregnant the month after I had that done. So I was like, oh my God, I was so okay. like, it's going to happen. I'm so excited. And it didn't. Um, but my period pain definitely was lessened. So at least on That's the other side of it. Yeah, it really was. I was kind of like, okay. And obviously throughout all this time, we were on and off lockdowns. So there were periods of time where I was like, it's okay. That's fine. I've got all this social stuff coming up. Well, social stuff, probably like a picnic at the park. But like I had yeah. other things to think about. <laughs> And during that time, Shane and I got engaged, um, yes. which was really nice. And that was like another really nice positive thing to focus on and um, to just be excited for. And um, oh, it was such a surprise. <laughs> it wasn't. <laughs> okay, it's a funny story about that. But anyway, um, yeah, so um, do, you think, do you think that? lockdown if you for example had this experience and we weren't going through a lockdown do you think that your emotions would have been the same towards the whole process or do you think that it would have been a lot easier for you to handle because you would have been more distracted do you think the distraction was the reason that the the conception took so long that you do you know what I mean like did you feel worse because of the lockdowns yeah, or do you I think, think you would have just felt like that regardless? I think that I definitely would have felt quite down in the sense that like because every month once you peer, you know your period's coming, like your body's giving you the signs. And for me, I would start already getting really bad period pain relatively early. So then I would just know and it would just be kind of like a bit of an impending kind of dread and I would just be like now it's the waiting game for the period to actually start. So that I can then wait for my next ovulation cycle to come through, you know, to try again. So I think it was probably, yeah, a big culmination of things. I think going through that and not being in lockdown, the months that we weren't in lockdown, I definitely was able to just deal with it better. Cause you, you just, it kind of brings you out of that negative bubble where you're kind of like, oh, it's okay. Life is fine. Like I've got people in my life that I love and I've got things to do. And it made me grateful for all the things that I did have. Um, I think it was just hard that I'd been so ready for a baby that it's not fair, but I definitely said to Shane like a few times, like, if only you'd said like a year earlier that you were ready, like, I wish that you didn't make me wait for so long because we could have already been seven months into this journey. And like, it's not fair because neither of us knew, like neither of us knew. And we genuinely, I think it's understandable. It's understandable to have that resentment towards it like it's a natural part of the grieving process in a way to have that resentment because in your head you're just thinking this could have all been already done yeah but that's life we don't know no exactly and and it is life and you know that is all a part of it and you know so I um I had a chat with the specialist the obstetrician after that sort of initial month, we had sort of like a bit of a chat and he was like, how are you feeling about everything? And I was, you know, I really appreciated the way that he handled things for me because I think he could see that he was like, 
you're coming to me, you know, you're spending money to come and see me. You obviously want results. You want answers. You don't just want me to sit here and go, okay, wait another month. So he was like, look, let's put you on a fertility medication. Um, you can do that for three months and we'll see how that goes. So I went on letrozole. Um, it's not one that I've really heard spoken about a lot. Um, I definitely hadn't back then. I hadn't heard of anyone who'd been on letrozole before. I'd only ever heard of Clomid. So letrozole is basically, um, it's obviously a fertility medication to help sort of streamline your ovulation and bring your cycles to a bit shorter to therefore mean that I wasn't going for so long without my uterus shedding properly because that was the part of the reason with me having really irregular cycles that they would almost get longer and longer because the blood actually can't come out properly because you've got too much you've got too much in there uh, too much um, lining that's literally got to come out so that was obviously to help that so that was good I started having 28 day cycles but the side effects of this medication was horrendous. Like I've got to be honest, I was not expecting that. Like I was shocked at how, sorry to put it explicitly, but it was fucked. Like I felt really sorry for myself yeah. because you get your period. So then you're like, cool, I'm not pregnant. Now I've got to start taking this fertility medication and you know, you're already having like the sad side of it and then the pain side of it. And then you're like, oh my God, this medication is fucked. So like I would literally be, because I worked in a very busy shopping center and I didn't know, like I took it at the start of my work day and I'm going about and I'm like, oh my God, like I was like having hot flushes. I was drenched in sweat. I was having horrible stomach aches. I would have to run to the bathroom. And it was just like, they were some of the lower moments, I would say, in our fertility journey, um, like, yeah, you know, that I would not be, be. I can't even imagine how that would feel like you're not pregnant and then you, you're pretty much, you, those are all symptoms of sickness that no one ever wants to experience, let alone you have to work, you have to just get on with it. And unfortunately, society just looks at it and would just be like, well, you do just have to get on with it. You just yeah. have to push on. And yeah. You know, you might have some. It's just crazy that those side effects are just accepted, and women. Know. You know, I know it's the only option for a lot of women, and it really does help a lot of women to fall pregnant. But when you think of those side effects, how severe they are on your day to day life, it's crazy what we have to go through. A hundred percent. Like I was literally in this cubicle, vomiting, having diarrhea, bleeding heavily. And crying, yeah. like crying my eyes out because obviously it was the first day of it and I just felt really sorry for myself. And like I think I was sort of like I'm going to allow myself time to cry. I'm going to allow myself those moments to feel sad about what I don't have yes. because I don't want to try and suppress it because it's just going to come out later. But then I'd have to just go and fix myself up in the mirror and just walk back into the shop, you know, where I'm working with like yeah. a 20-year-old guy who I can't tell any of this to, I can't explain any of this to. And I'm like, I've also got to manage this team and it's coming into Christmas. Like I just have to suck it up and I've got to get back to work. So in a way, obviously yeah. being busy at work was kind of good. Um, but I remember I was just like, oh, this is a bit shit. Um, so I did do three months of that. And during the three months as well, my hair started to fall out really badly. I was really in shock. Like every time I would wash my hair in the shower, I would be like, oh my God, like Having now been through postpartum hair loss, this was even worse than that. 
And I, I, when, that's when I started Googling the medication and reading more about it. And after three months, I went, I'm not going to renew my, my prescription, my subscription. I was like, I'm just not, I'm just going to have a bit of a break. I think I just went through like, you know what? Let's just focus on our wedding. Let's just plan our wedding. That's okay. That's something really exciting and positive that we can talk about and, and look forward to. We'll plan that. Um, like we weren't planning anything big because of COVID restrictions. We could only have like, originally I think we were only going to be able to have 15 to 20 people there anyway, but we were kind of just like, oh, let's just start thinking about it. Like, what would you want to do? Blah, blah, blah. And I just started living my life again because we could. I just started going out with my girlfriends and just like going out on the weekend and going out for dinners and dressing up and drinking and, you know, just doing things that I was like, I haven't been able to do this for a couple of years, you know? Yeah. And do you think, how was your mental health at that point? Because I remember we had come over for dinner to your house and you were telling, you were planning your wedding and we were talking about that. And I remember asking you, you know, I like talking about, are you pregnant this month? Because obviously as your friend, you had told me you were trying for a baby and I knew that it had been really hard on you. And, you know, you're trying to figure out, do I say something? Do I not say something? All of that. But you were talking about how you weren't pregnant again. And you just said to me, we're not going to do IVF. We're just going to adopt a baby. Like we're never going to have a baby. Mm. So do you think that it was like, like you were suppressing all the feelings that you wanted to feel or what was your emotional state like when you were planning that wedding and trying to distract yourself in a way? I mean, I wasn't great. Like I wasn't great really through any of that because I still, I really struggle as well just with the lockdowns as well, being alone so much. Yeah. Like I really didn't, I would be like, I'm fine. And then I would be like, I'm really not fine. Like I always went through that kind of phase. Um, I think like we probably planned a wedding because we both, I think, needed something to look forward to. I think we did. And um, like I I did feel really like I almost felt like I want to have a baby so bad, but I feel like I'm forcing it to happen. And I think I really like grappled with that because I just, I, it probably sounds so naive. And I just really never thought that was going to happen truly because my mom had so many kids and my older sister who has a a child as well. She got pregnant, you know, the first month after going off the pill, my mom got pregnant with my younger sister while she was on the pill. So I was like, Oh my God, stars align. Like I'm going to get pregnant so quickly. It's just going to happen. And I don't know, it's it's sometimes it's really hard to actually remember truly how I felt during that time. I was that person who I was happy for every person on like Facebook or Instagram that would announce their pregnancy and I would be like, congratulations, but then I would have to just like mute their stories or just like not yeah. have their stuff come up on my feed for a while because it would just – I would like – be happy but then I'd also be crying and I'd be like oh I didn't even realize I was so upset but I actually would be like it was just kind of there all the time um and I liked talking to people about it but I hadn't actually told many friends that we were trying I think as well because it was lockdown and I wasn't seeing people as regularly as I would normally so once we sort of started being able to go out and see people like you know I had a few other friends just randomly in conversation without knowing any context be like oh would you guys think about trying for a baby and then I would be like we've actually been trying for a baby for you know all this time and yeah and it would be like oh wow I didn't know and I was like oh of course you wouldn't you know and that's the thing like it makes you realize how many people 
are probably going through fertility struggles and they don't talk about it because I, I don't even know if it's the stigma, but I think that it is a really personal thing that if you have people that you feel really comfortable talking about it with, that is great. But it's almost like you feel like you're letting everyone down. Like I felt like that. Like I felt like I was letting everyone down that I just couldn't get pregnant. <laughs> like, yeah, you know. I think it's like a unique sense of grief to not be able to fall pregnant because when I think about it, we have like a society which tells people to just, you know, when someone even dies to just, you're expected to just get on with it and move forward. Yeah, And I'm not saying it's like, you know, the same as having a loss, but when you are trying for a baby and it not, it doesn't happen, people get sick of hearing about it. I feel they yeah. just think, okay, well, it's not happening. Just focus on something else, move on, come on, push forward. Let's keep going. And I feel like that would be extremely isolating to feel because as you said, you would be happy for everyone, but you would almost feel bad for telling them that you're not pregnant. And that's it's not fair that you felt that way in a way because it's you're going through grief every month. Yeah. I think there is, yeah, like I actually spoke a lot about that with my therapist um, because you know, I would have those conversations with her down the track to be like, yeah, it's just really interesting to grieve like that way because it's not like you've actually lost anything yet really. No. Yeah. Um, but it was more that you're grieving what you don't have. And I think that's exactly. the unique thing about trying for a baby is that, you know, you grow up thinking once we just decide we want to have a baby, like we will just start our family and then you're already exactly. starting. But like every month that goes by when you're not pregnant, it's every month that you're further away from even ever meeting your baby because you still aren't yeah. even pregnant yet. And like I think that that was probably hard because – I got to the point where people would be like, oh, how many kids do you think you would want to have? Or, And I would just be like, um, I don't know because I can't even get pregnant with one. And like it felt really frustrating because I felt like the fun side of things were being taken away from me because I couldn't get pregnant. So it felt like all the fun like daydreaming almost kind of conversations that you have with friends to be like, oh, you know, how many kids do you have and what age gap would you have and what would you call them? There was a period of time where I was like, I don't know, all of that. I just feel like all of that's just been taken away from me because I can't even get pregnant with my first child, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So after the three months of being on Letrozole, I was like, I'm having a break. I felt really like I just want to give my body a break. My hair's fucking falling out. I'm sick every month. It's bad enough like that I'm not pregnant. I don't want these symptoms on top of it. Yeah. And I was kind of just like, yep, that's fine, whatever. And I – started actually doing acupuncture as well. I was like, I'm going to try something a little bit more natural. Just give my body a break from all the medication. And um, yeah, so I started seeing this acupuncturist and I went for the same reasons. And he was like, look, doing acupuncture, we can target the same areas and realistically get the same outcome that letrozole should get you. And I was like, great. It's a relaxing thing. I can lie here on a table. Yes, you pricked. And that obviously hurts a bit. But I was like, I can lie here and actually like meditate instead of crying in a cubicle because of xyz so for me i was like that's that was a bit more of a positive experience and um yeah and it works for a lot of people as well so it's a bit of hope for you as yeah, well yeah exactly and yeah and i mean it was just something sort of different to do and again i was sort of like oh it's something that i want to try and yeah and so because it was funny as well like not funny 
but like throughout our whole experience of trying for a baby as well, I would go through months where I would be like, hide all the tests, hide all the ovulation tests, hide all the pregnancy yeah. tests. I want nothing to do with them. Some months I would just cave and I would either buy more or I would go and look for them around the house because I'd be like, I know where Shane's hiding places are. I'm going to find them and I yeah. would. <laughs> and then I'd be devastated every time. And then I hated yeah. the times I would crumble and I'd be like, I'm going to buy like a digital test. They're more expensive. It'll tell me that I'm pregnant. And I would always say no. And then I'd be even more devastated because I'd be like, yeah. the, like the mystery's gone. It specifically says not pregnant. Um, yeah. And it was just, oh, oh, my God, honestly, the number of tests that I would have gone through. And then <laughs> literally yeah. the, the first response um, companies would have been very Clear happy. Blue. I think Clear Blue yeah. were my favourites. I did buy a lot of yeah. dip tests. I had like one of those red solo cups that I just kept in my cupboard under the ensuite. And, um, yeah, honestly, the You've number of them. you have to buy that many tests, honestly. Well, that's the thing. Like I would do so many. And with those ones, I would do multiple ones a day. I'd be like, maybe that pee was a bit diluted. I'm just going to do another one in the afternoon. And then sometimes in the middle of the night, like if I couldn't sleep, I'd wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning and be like, I'm just going to do one. They were never positive, um, any yeah. of those ones. So obviously that was just, you know. And then one day, 10 days before we got married, I did one in the morning, one of the dip tests, and I was like, oh, my God, it's like so faint. I was like, I can see it, but it's so faint. And I was kind of like, I don't know, I've been here before where I've had really faintly positive ones, really faint, and you're just like, I think my eyes are playing tricks on me. Yeah. And I remember I sent you a photo because I, I went through the bin. I literally rifled through the bin and found the one from the day before, and I was like, and I feel like, because I was like, I'm not going to tell Shane yet. Because obviously I'd gone through that many months being like, Shane, my period's 10 days late. Oh, my God. And then I'd get my period. And I was like, I can't even yeah. – I couldn't even bear the letdown anymore of the look on his face of every month being like, yeah. I've got my period. So I think you were like, you'll have to test again, but maybe wait. I can't remember exactly what you said. And I was like, yep, yep. So by 11 o'clock I was like taking an early lunch because I literally was like, <laughs> I cannot. Give me the test. But I have to go and buy another test. So I went yeah. around to freaking Coles and bought a clear blue and it was more positive than the one I had done this morning. And I was just like, oh, my God, oh, my God, like it's actually <laughs> happening. And I yeah. was just like, oh, my God. So I carried this little pregnancy test covered in weed around in my pocket all day and then I took like a nut my other lunch break because I had like a one-hour break that I split. And again, it was really faint. And I was just like, oh my God, I think I was freaking out. Like I literally was pulling it out at work. I'd like run behind an aisle and pull it out and look at it and be like, oh my God. And I remember oh that God. night. I know. It, was, it really was. It was so exciting. Like I just felt so like false hope, but I also was just like, oh my God. So then that night I was like, oh, let's go for dinner in the main street. Let's go and get something just because I needed to go to the pharmacy. And I was like, I have to go in and I've got to find a place to go where Shane can go and pick up the food and I can go and get pads because I was like, I've got my period and I've got no pads. And he was like, okay, cool. Story of every month. So he was like, no worries. Yeah. So then I went in and I bought all these digital tests and we came home. I even ate my dinner. Like I actually sat there and ate my dinner because I think I was just like, I don't I know really, how you did that. Honestly, you have no I know, idea. I think it was just like. I was like, I can't disappoint Shane. I think that was it. Like I just didn't yeah. wanted to just pretend like nothing was happening so that I could surprise him. So we had our dinner and I ran off and I weighed on this little digital test and I just was like, <gasps> like I remember I just could not contain myself. Like of 
all the months of just fantasizing about telling Shane and getting that positive test and like planning something sweet and all of that, I just came running out of the room. Like I hadn't even put the cap on the test, I don't think. Like I just came running out with it in my arm and Shane was literally in the kitchen like, what's wrong? What's wrong? And I was just like, I'm pregnant. And he was like, what? You have your period. (laughs) (laughs) You've been like, I'm so confused. Hang on. (laughs) And I was like, I lied to you. And oh my God, it was so emotional. Like we were both in shock. Like we, I cried. I think Shane had like a little tear and then we were both just like, oh my God. Like I'm actually pregnant. Like this is, a- and then you kind of like, what do you do? Because you can't. Yeah, when literally. it first happens, you're like, oh, well, it's like evening. I can't go and get like a test done right now or a blood test. That's the annoying waiting game in that sense. I know. Um, literally, the whole pregnancy is just a waiting game. It is, but the hardest, not the hardest thing, but it was like we were like, oh my god, of course I'm pregnant now. We're getting married in ten days. Of course, after all this yeah. time trying. I was like, because I was actually due to ovulate when we would have been on our honeymoon. So we were like, oh, perfect timing. And I was like, oh, my God. Okay, so now what are we going to do? So then that was a whole other thing, dealing with all of that, which was obviously great. Like, I didn't care. I was like, I am so happy that I'm pregnant. I didn't care that I couldn't have a sip of alcohol at my wedding. Like, it did not bother me one bit. I was honestly so happy. Yeah. So obviously from that sort of point, I think like the next morning or whenever I could, I might've even done like a digital, um, sorry, an online book an appointment with my GP to go in to organize getting the blood test done. And I remember I was at work and I had like a telehealth call and he called me and he was like, I just want to confirm that you are pregnant. And I was like, I was literally like jumping for joy, like out the front of my shop. And I was just so, I just couldn't believe it. I was like, Oh my God, it's actually happening. Um, so from there, um, I sort of booked in every blood test that I could do, booked in scan as soon as we could go. Like we went for a six week scan. Um, cause I just really was like, I need to just, you know, enjoy this and get the ball rolling and, and get all these appointments in so that I can just really like reiterate to myself that I really am pregnant. I had a lot yeah. of morning sickness, all day sickness, you know, so that was obviously yeah. confirming it for me. Yeah. But it's I was- like shit to feel that, but it's, it's. It's really nice to know, okay, I'm pregnant. I'm still pregnant. This is why I feel sick. Okay, It's yeah. like reaffirming for you. Yeah, it's like the one time when you're kind of like, I don't hate that I'm so nauseous. Like you don't love it. Yes. But, yeah, it definitely re- like helps you go, it's okay. Like this is fine. This is for a good reason. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah so when I had our first – when we had our first scan, that was like six weeks and because my cycles were all over the place, we actually went back a week and I was like, oh, my God, so now I've actually got to be, like, nauseous for a whole extra week because I was only, like, five <laughs> weeks and three days pregnant or something when I had the scan. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I'm so grateful that every scan that we went to, um, even though some of the experiences weren't great with specific sonographers, but the baby was healthy, um, we could hear her heartbeat, she was growing well, so – at least for those anxiety moments. Like I know that you spoke about in your episode, like there is a lot of anxiety when you go to your scans. And so, yeah, it was obviously great to be like, yep, you know, look at this little baby. We obviously didn't know her gender um, to start with. And so, yeah, it was really exciting. And I wanted to do like the gender reveal and all that, all of that because I was just so excited. Like I was just like, we're actually having a baby. Like I can't believe it. Like I would still just be like, oh, my God, we're actually having a baby. Like this is crazy. Yeah, so then, you know, m- things were mostly going pretty well. Like, obviously, you have that. I had, like, round ligament pain. And um, yeah. 
everything was going pretty well. The morning sickness eased off and I was like, oh, this is great. I can go back to like eating mostly what I feel like and feeling pretty good, like a bit of fatigue, but I felt pretty good. And then one day at work, I literally was like moving boxes and I was just crippled with pain. I was like, what have I done? I was like, have I literally just like ripped my vagina in half? Like, I'm not even joking. I straight away, like I thought I was bleeding. Like I straight away put my hands like between my legs and I was like, I must be bleeding because that hurts so much. Like you just assume. Yeah. And so I remember I called the midwives hotline or whatever it was. And um, whoever I spoke to was like, look, you know, I'm sorry that you're experiencing that pain, but like, it's really normal. Um, and I was like, I don't know, I've never really heard about this before. And she was like, oh, you know, I think you'll be okay. Like, when's your next appointment? Go and get checked up kind of thing. And I was like, I can't walk. Like, I actually can't even walk. I'm in so much pain. I'm not like doubled over in pain. It was like, if I spread my feet to take a step more than like a normal step, I genuinely was like, I am being torn apart. So I did, I had a few different tests done. Like I went and saw a GP. She did a full STI screen and everything because she was like, I can't understand this pain that you're having. Like it must be something like that. Of course, everything came back as no STIs. And I was like, okay. And um, I remember talking to you about it and you spoke to another friend of ours who said, you know, you should go and see a physio. So I went and saw a physio, amazing physio, Eugenia at Glow Clinic in Berwick. So sweet, such a kind, sweet lady who straight away was able to be like, I can see how much pain you're in and you have pelvic girdle pain. And I was like, what? Yeah. Because it sounds really minor. It's like, okay, pelvic girdle pain. Like it sounds like I've got a headache. Like it's got kind of a shit name, unfortunately, because it it really minimizes what you actually experience. Because essentially what pelvic girdle pain is, is when you're pregnant, you have a hormone in your body called relaxin. And for some people, they get far too much of that hormone going through their body. So it actually causes their pelvis, their hips, their lower back to essentially relax too much, but they become so like almost like soft and floppy that it hurts to try to do anything because your body's going, we're fighting against the way the body's naturally feeling. And I experienced that like severely where I felt so unstable, like my whole pelvis, hips, lower back felt incredibly unstable and it also hurt on top of it. So I ended up having to be, I had to be fully like compression bandaged up, like my whole bump and hips. I had to like double layer it so that it was really tight to like try and like really hold me firmly together. I was on crutches. I was put on full bed rest for weeks, which I absolutely despised. Like I was just like, no, I've been in lockdown for that long. I don't need to lie on the couch and watch any more TV. Like, yes, I'm pregnant, but I'm not here for this. Like, And also when you have a full-time job and you have to work, you can't, like who can really just afford to take all yep. those weeks off of leave, like yep. not so many women are not in the privileged position to be able to just do that. Like 100%. bed rest is a privilege as much as it, it it drives everyone insane. It is a privilege to be able to just be like, okay, well, I can take this time off work. Yeah, like of you got to keep yeah. going. And it was really yeah. hard because I was a manager of a store. So I had to be like, I'm really sorry, guys. I actually can't come into work. I've got to, you know, I, like I, it wasn't just me not going to work. I had to roster the whole store to get the whole store to be looked after. And I actually didn't have any paid time off. I had nothing. So I got completely unpaid for two weeks and it was it was stressful, yeah. you know, on the back of already having an incredibly reduced salary for years because of all the lockdowns. Like 
Mom's yeah. just like, this is the last thing that I need while I'm pregnant. Like I just want to work yeah. and work and work. Um, we ended up going into a lockdown anyway. I did two weeks of bed rest, was supposed to go back to work. I think I went back for two shifts and then we went into like another six-week lockdown or something. I was only allowed to go back to work to work for like three hours at a time, but even that I was already pushing and I was going in for four hours and I literally worked in retail and I had to be on crutches the whole time because I that was the only way I physically had to have a letter written by my physio sent to HR, signed off for me to even go back to work. I had a wheelchair like to get around the house because it would take me like 10 minutes to get up off the couch, go to the toilet, get up off the toilet, go wash my hands. Like I literally, like you saw me obviously during that time yeah. and I had to completely shuffle and it was painful as well because your body's fighting against the way that you naturally move as well. Anyway, so yeah. I think that was another uniquely upsetting experience to go through. I didn't know anyone that had experienced pelvic girdle pain. Anyone that I read about online did not get it from 18 weeks pregnant. Like most people are like 30 weeks on. I'm not saying that it's better to get it then, but like I just feel like I just didn't get to enjoy my pregnancy really at all. I went from like morning sickness to a couple of weeks of feeling okay to literally being like I couldn't walk for more than 20 minutes. Like so I started going to physio every week. I was doing strengthening exercises. I had to like only roll onto my side, keep my knees together to get out of bed. I had to like really control all my movements to not aggravate it. And it all really, really helped to improve. I actually had a brace fitted um, to wear around my hips, which I wore every day. And I was taped up. So every appointment I'd have my whole back and my stomach taped up and yeah, and so, you know, even that, I was like, cool, all my bump pictures, I just, my whole belly is just covered in tape or, you know, like it just, I know, again, it's incredible privilege to be pregnant and be relatively healthy, but it was obviously still so upsetting because I just thought about being pregnant for so long and I was in lockdown, couldn't see my family, couldn't see friends couldn't even take my dogs for a walk anymore. And that's what got me through all the other lockdowns was going for big walks yeah. every day. And I couldn't even do that without being in so much agony. Anyway, and I was upset because I started um, – so I booked in – we booked in for a hypnobirthing course. So we did that. We did that actually really early on. So we did it like weeks 21 and 22. And um, the hypnobirthing class was great and Gemma was really lovely. And I remember though that she actually said – you know, you might need to think a bit about your birth and how it's actually going to go because now that you have pelvic girdle pain, it might actually impact your labor and specific movements that you might want to use. So it was good knowing it early on because it was something that I started looking into, like specific positions that I might have to um, get into for my birth. So on top of the pelvic girdle pain, I started to feel really, really dizzy every day. I started having horrendous chest pain, heart palpitations. My Apple Watch would show my heart rate skyrocketing every day from doing nothing. Um, And so I started having more, more blood tests done. And at one of the appointments, they were like, oh, yeah, like your iron levels are low. Just get some iron tablets from the pharmacy. So I did and I was taking them every day. And then I went and had another blood test done and I, I went and saw someone different. And they were like, did they explain to you how low your iron levels were at your last appointment? And I was like, no, they just said I needed to take iron tablets. And then they were like, oh, okay, because they've more than halved since your last test and you're already sitting at an 18. 
And I was like, oh, okay. And he was like, you need to go and get these iron tablets today and you have to start taking two a day because your iron levels are incredibly low. A week later, I had another blood test done and he was like, they've halved again, literally just from last week. They've gone dropped down to a nine already. And he was like, what are you, what have your symptoms been like? And I was like, well, to be honest, I have, you know, said at a lot of my appointments that I have been having horrendous chest pain. You know, my heart, my, uh, my heart rate's been like skyrocketing. I feel so dizzy. I'm seeing stars. Like it was really, really horrible. Like I, it was really like a uniquely shit experience to go through because I was kind of like, again, now I'm going through something else. Like I've already got the pelvic girdle pain. And now I'm having this, but it's still not anything. Like, I don't know. It's like another thing where it's kind of like, oh, oh, you've got low iron levels. Oh, shame. Like, have some lettuce. Oh, sorry. Have some spinach. Like, it's kind of, have some lettuce. Cool. Have some water. Um, (laughs) Little rabbit. Yeah, literally. But I was kind of like, okay, again, like I've just got some annoying symptoms now that I just have to deal with. And like, obviously pregnancy comes with so many symptoms as it is. And so I um I forgot to mention, but I was doing the midwifery program because um, I really wanted to do it after, you know, listening to podcasts and chatting with you. And I really started to develop like a great relationship with my midwife and, you know, we had sort of some game plans put in place and it got to a point where like no fault of sort of anyone, but I think just at the time there was just such a baby boom as we've spoken about. And, you know, sometimes you kind of just fall through the cracks a little bit. So I remember chatting with you. And you were really like, I think you really need to like push for this iron infusion because they'd suggested, oh, if you're still feeling sick by like week 28, maybe you can have an infusion done. And like I was feeling horrendous. Like I'd gone to hospital because of how horrible I was feeling because I genuinely would be like, I think I'm going to like pass out. Like I was like, I don't know what to do. I'm so worried about my health for the sake of my baby because I'd never felt so horrible before like for an extended period of time so I did that I had the iron infusion I was so excited to feel better and I didn't and it was just another thing where I was like oh well like fuck this I'm just so like I'm just gonna accept it because it is what it is because they take weeks to kick in and you only really had your iron infusion at like 30 something yeah I don't think I had it until 36 weeks yep because literally as every week went by I just felt worse and worse and worse and I was honestly kind of like, like, I know I've heard this story so many times from you, but every time I hear it, my blood literally just boils because I cannot believe that you, as a woman sitting in front of a medical practitioner, saying, My heart is going, just sitting there doing nothing to 200 beats per minute. I am having chest pain. It wasn't that high. I am. But- yeah, well, like it just was like 160, 170, <laughs> was, yeah. Yeah, it would at times get up to 174 and I'd be like, I'm fucking yeah. sitting on the couch. And like, like I that would is often be asked. So high. Like I'd literally be asked, are you watching something stressful? Your heart rate does not go to 174 when you're watching something stressful. I know. That literally, I, know. I actually get mad because <laughs> I I, they do not take women. You telling me a man coming into emergency room saying, I've got chest pains, they get pushed in front of every single other person and they get checked for a heart attack, checked for everything, and you as a pregnant woman saying you're having these symptoms and you're growing a freaking baby and they don't take you, oh, you'll be okay. Oh, just push on, love. It's okay. I know. No, it's not fucking okay. I know. And I would have my blood pressure checked and it would be high and they would be like, are you stressed out right now? And I would be like, no. 
and they would be like, oh, and they would just be like, oh, we'll do it again in a couple of minutes. Do you want to just try and do some slow breathing and calm down? And I'd be like, I'm not stressed though. Like I'm actually not stressed because my blood pressure was high. Obviously they didn't want me to be on record all the time having a high blood pressure because I understand all the implications that can bring on if they think you have preeclampsia. And I know the medical system was just under far too much pressure and it can affect your, your, the rest of your pregnancy and your birth journey. So I understand that it was done also in my favor. I think at the time I felt a bit like I just wasn't being heard though because I was like, I'm really feeling so unwell every day. Like I really, really am. And um, I just sort of carried on and, you know, as you kind of have to, I just took my iron tablets every day and just tried to rest more and did what I could and, you know, I ended up being able to work from home. So I actually worked until 38 weeks pregnant because I was like, well, I might as well keep working. I'm at home. I don't feel well but I'll just work because what's the alternative? I don't want to just lie on the couch. Like I really don't want to do that. And um, yeah, and so so there was a time when I had to go into the hospital because I was having, I was just, I felt really, really unwell. Like my my heart rate was so high. I couldn't breathe properly. Like I was having heart palpitations, crushing chest pain. Like it was really, really horrendous. And even now, I feel kind of like get over yourself vibe talking about it. Like I feel like there would be people that would listen and would be like, oh, that's all part and parcel with pregnancy. But like it's not really. Yeah, it is. And it's not fair to have to experience that. Like obviously, again, I know I'm incredibly grateful that I was pregnant. Um, it was just definitely not something I expected to encounter. And, I, you know, you're going through that every single day. Like I felt like, like I rarely ever got a break from it. You don't need a preface. You don't need a preface. I'm so grateful that I was pregnant. I like, know. obviously, you're grateful that you're pregnant. That is implied. Like, I don't think that you need to preface that. I just think that you had, like, the low iron and the symptoms you had are severe. Like, those are severe symptoms to just have in everyday life, whether you're Thank pregnant you. or not pregnant. And I just get so sick of this freaking narrative that women are constantly like, oh, I'm just being dramatic. Oh, I'm just, you know. That I don't want to be a burden. I don't want them to think I'm, you know, asking too much. It's just we always think that. And I think that the more we talk about the fact that you should not have to preface that your symptoms were bad for any of it, like it was shit. And yes, you were pregnant and yes, you were growing a baby, but those are horrible to have gone through at the same time. And the system should not have let you slip through the cracks and they Mm. did and they shouldn't Mm -hmm. have. And it's, It's not good enough that women are constantly slipping through the cracks and it's causing them not necessarily pregnancy trauma, but it is causing them to feel and just it repeats that narrative in their own head. Oh, they're just telling me to get over it. I should just get over it. I'm just being dramatic. And we're not. And they need to start taking women seriously because your low iron could have really impacted your labor and your birth in a really negative way. And that leads to hemorrhaging and can cause death. Like that is serious for you and your baby. And definitely. No, that's that's very true. And I mean, even like I think because so much time has passed, sometimes sorry, you kind of removed from some of the 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 emotion. I mean, to be honest, the fertility struggles compounded with all my symptoms of being pregnant like I felt crushed like emotionally because I'd wanted a baby for so long 
I was so happy to be pregnant. And then I had a really hard pregnancy. And I always go to say, I know other people had it worse. I'm always saying that, right? And it doesn't mean they didn't. But it doesn't mean that I didn't have a hard pregnancy and and a hard time getting pregnant. Exactly. That in itself as well is another type of grief. Like it actually makes me upset still to this day because before I ever started trying for a baby, I was like, we're going to have like three or four kids. Like I want to have a big family. I love Shane so much and I just want to have these beautiful children. And after going through that, I was like, oh, I don't know. I don't feel confident in trying for another baby one day because I don't actually have it in me to go through what I went through. Like I don't have it in me to go through fertility struggles, PGP, low iron levels. Like I just don't. Like I think it'll just absolutely break me. And yeah, I mean it's it's obviously validating to talk about it because it's so true. And like, uh, and like, so I was going through the midwifery program and I was in the hospital one of the times and my midwife called me actually while I was in the hospital and I thought she was calling me to say, hey, I've heard that you're here. I'm so sorry that you're not feeling well. I was 36 weeks pregnant and she called me to say, I'm so sorry, but the midwifery group practice is actually being cancelled and I'm transferring, transferring to a different hospital so I'll no longer be your midwife. I won't be there at your birth and the program's ending. Just like a devastation yeah. phone call. I was crushed. I was like, I'm 36 weeks pregnant. Like I'm so close to the end and all I wanted was this and now yeah. I'm not having it. Like yeah. I was like, oh, my God. Like I, I was just so upset because I feel like the last couple of appointments prior, me and my midwife had really started to bond. We'd gone into great length about my birth plan. Um and she wrote it all down like, she, you know, she had taken all these notes and we'd had a great conversation and she was like, I'll be there at your birth. Like if I'm not there at the very start of your labor, I will be there. And I was like, great, between her and Shane, no one's going to forget my preferences. Everyone's going to kind of know the things that I want and the vibe that I like. And and that was really upsetting. And um, I continued to have appointments after that and a couple of midwives I saw were like, oh, we're obviously still going to be there, even though the program's not on. One of us will be working. Plot twist: none of the midwives that I met were at the hospital when I went into labour. Of course. Um, so I don't think there was maybe one familiar face at the very, very beginning, um, and that was it. After that, it was all people that I'd never met before, and obviously that's a lot of people's experience. But I specifically had done the group practice so that that wouldn't be my experience, and then it was. Um, you know, I suppose it's fitting for just how everything else went. Life just likes throwing you those curveballs, you know. Oh, that's <laughs> it. I know. <laughs> Definitely. And yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, like it's just such an experience to go through all of that. And like you kind of forget sometimes because now I've got Sylvie and, you know, she's like 13 months old almost or not quite actually. She's only just been turned one two weeks ago. But yeah. Um, you know what I mean? And then you're like, you're so far yeah. removed from that that you kind of forget all the stuff that you went through. And sometimes you're like, yeah, it was, you know, it was, it was hard. Like it was hard. Yeah. I think it was probably just the compounding factors of all of it. Like, I think if you ever did decide to have another baby, one positive is you work from home already. So like the pelvic girdle pain probably, probably would get it, but it probably wouldn't start at 18 weeks. It'll probably start like normal in 
late 30s kind of thing. And hopefully MGP would be running and you would build that rapport and feel safe. And when you feel safe, you feel more likely to not feel like a burden to someone and you can open up with how you're feeling and they would have a rapport with you and respect how you're feeling and it wouldn't you wouldn't slip through the cracks again. So I could just hope that that wouldn't happen again. I think your conception in pregnancy was like a perfect storm with COVID and just everything happening and the emotions connected to all of it that unfortunately led to the negativity that you view it as. But yeah, I mean, it's, like I, I, I still obviously feel like I'm so happy that I, I did get pregnant and that I could have Sylvie. Um, yeah. But, yeah, like I definitely think I was, I don't know, I really felt, I just felt kind of like just robbed of a good experience and I know that pregnancy is hard on your body. I never thought I'd be like bloody doing cartwheels all over the place. I mean, I can't do cartwheels anyway, but I never <laughs> thought that it was going to be a super breezy experience, but I just could not believe it. Like I would just... You know, I was like, I literally am already at only like 20 something weeks pregnant and I can't even get out of bed properly. And it's not because I have a massive bump already, like things like that. Obviously, that's your lived experience every day and it does start to really wear away. Optimism, like it really does. Um, But yeah, I definitely feel like, like learning everything that I've learned, I'm like, okay. I definitely would know what symptoms to look out for. I would know, you know, specific stretches, strengthening exercises that I could do, movements that just I would could start possibly implementing. At least I would know to obviously get into the midwifery group practice early on. Um, all sorts of things that I did learn. So I mean, everything I suppose is a learning is a learning experience. Exactly. No, exactly. And I think hopefully, like going through not being heard, you would now know. To know, advocate. I'm not going to stand for that. I want to advocate for myself and that's okay. And I think, yeah, but I also think, you know, just want to say thank you for sharing your story and, you. and all of that because I think that a lot of women feel how you feel, like they have to preface everything with, oh, could have been worse, could have been this. That's what we're taught. And I think it's really good to just sit in the feeling of the negativity sometimes and how you felt going through that experience because not it's only validating. is it healing for you to talk about it, it's validating, yeah, because yeah. that was your experience and that is okay and you're allowed to talk about it and maybe you'll help a few women feel like they are validated because they have a right to feel how they're feeling without having to excuse it. Yeah, because yeah. even if I talk to anyone else and they ever explain like their negative journey, I would never say to them like, oh, well, you should be grateful that you had a baby, but I feel like I need to say that. Exactly. And, yeah, and I don't because it should yeah. go without saying that I am. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it's, it's really interesting and I feel like that's why I've I've really wanted to talk about like just specific things like letrozole and pelvic girdle pain and things because I, I hadn't really heard of them at all before I got pregnant and I don't really know anyone else that's done that. Or had that, yeah. Um, and so obviously there is, there is merit, yeah, in talking about it because it kind of makes other people out that that would listen to me and go, oh, I had pelvic girdle pain, and where was the physio that you went to? And you know, even like exactly. to create some sort of room for conversation to kind of just be like, okay, like it doesn't make it better. It normalizes it a bit, but at least it just makes you feel like you've got someone that you can talk to about it or you just feel a little bit more understood. You've got someone else you can relate to. Yeah, no, exactly. And I think also it's important because like we touched on 
you kind of go your whole young life thinking, I can't have sex, I don't want to fall pregnant, I don't want to have a baby. And it's almost like obviously we hear about the stories of people really struggling and they go through IVF for years and all of that. But just to normalize it taking a while and just to be aware that it's not immediate for everyone and it's okay if it takes a while and it's okay if you feel bad about it and it's okay if you get frustrated. No matter how long it takes you, like everyone's perspective is valid. So I think it's good to share your side of it and all of the stories can happen and all of the stories are valid. So absolutely. And um, yeah, and I think that, yeah, it's kind of comforting to know in a way, like if you are going through it and it is taking longer than you thought, even if like other people are saying to you, oh, it really hasn't been that long. People don't mean any harm by that. I think they're kind of trying to reassure you like, oh, it's okay. Like it hasn't been that long. And you're allowed to feel like it sucks because it's taking long. And you are also allowed to then say to yourself, but it hasn't been too long. So like you're allowed to feel both both emotions, like the exactly. two things can yeah. exist at the same time. For sure. And yeah, obviously it's a very hormonal and emotional time. So yeah, you can flip flop almost daily as yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah. But um, thank you so much again for sharing your story and thank you to everyone who's listened to the podcast today and thank you. Please follow our podcast subscribe rate and review it if you can that's how we grow or share it on your story so that other friends can see it tell other people in person so that more and more people can can hear our stories and share their stories and we can create a really nice community because i think we have a really nice one so far so more the merrier i also just wanted to put a little bit of a trigger warning um this is actually the next the next episode, but I kind of just wanted to say a little piece now. I am going to talk about my birth and there is some different sort of types of trauma, not just birth trauma, that are related to my birth. And I just want to put, you know, put that message out there now. We'll also have one play at the start of the, the actual episode as well, just in case that might be hard for anyone to listen to. You might not be in the best frame of mind to actually hear that. Um, it feels really important for me to share my story so I do want to and same as today so I feel really grateful that there will be people out there listening to this and yeah I just want to thank you yes well excited for you guys to listen to this all and as always we'll be in your ears next week Monday Bye. bye